All right, praise the Lord, everybody. Welcome to Sunday night service. Who's glad to be in the house of the Lord together tonight? Amen. All right, we're going to have an awesome service. Who was with us this morning as we kind of took a deep dive into the book of Revelation? Amen. I believe we learned some things and uh, had a good time together with that. Uh, but hey, we're going to be talking about healing tonight, divine healing from the Word of God. And you know that we are a church that strongly believes in God's healing healing power. Uh, so my dad's going to be preaching on that. And at the end of the service, we'll be taking communion together. So I'm uh, really excited about that. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. We're going to open up by speaking some faith over the United States of America. Amen. There's no better time to do that than now. Uh, we're going to keep believing that our nation is coming to Jesus. Amen. Let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise tonight, and you may be seated. Okay, who was here on Friday night for Harvest Fest, everybody? Yeah, it was an awesome time. Uh, we were blessed to be able to reach so many people with the love of Jesus and with the gospel message. It was incredible. And so we actually have a short two-minute video here uh, that uh, Alex made for us of the evening. So we're going to go ahead and watch that, a little recap. Maybe you've seen it online, but we'll go ahead and, Doug, play the Harvest Fest video for us. All right, have a great time, everybody. All right. Jesus' name. Amen. Hello, so who are we here with? Uh, my name is Trimanesha, and this is Azaria. Hi. Hi, Azaria. So, is this your first time here at the HGWC Harvest Fest? Yes, it is. Ooh, exciting. So what has been your favorite part of the night so far? Um, I love, basically I love everything about it so far. You guys have so many different things to do and you guys like took a lot of time to put it together. And I love that so many people are at a church event. Hi, my name is Elliot. Who are we here with? Malaya. Malaya, that's a beautiful name. Um, is this your first time here at the Harvest Fest? No, it's actually my third. Ooh, exciting. So what has been your favorite part of the night? Um, probably the concert. The concert? That's my favorite part. Hello, sir. Is this your first time at Harvest Fest? Uh, no, I've been here like 15 years in a row. So out of all the Harvest Fest, what's been your favorite thing to do here? Um, let my kids run around and have fun.
How many years have you been coming to the HEWC Harvest Fest? This would be my sixth year. Sixth year? Wow. What's your favorite part, or what are you looking forward to the most? My favorite part is watching all the community come out, all get to see and hear about the Word of God, and then watching all the families just have fun and enjoy their time. Very good. Exciting. What an awesome night. So thank you, everybody, that either helped out with volunteering at the event, before the event, after the event, everybody that brought in candy and uh, hot dogs and all that. I think they did a couple thousand hot dogs that night. So it was a it was a busy evening on the grills, but it was a really awesome evening. So uh, go ahead and put the announcements on, Doug. This Friday night at 6 o'clock, uh, we're going to be having a worker volunteer appreciation. Uh, evening. So it's going to be a big party Friday night at six o'clock over here by Victory Hall. If you helped out with the evening in any way, uh, we want you to come out. We're going to be grilling some stuff, I think, and just having a good time thanking you and celebrating you. And uh, we want you to be there. So Friday night, six o'clock over there by Victory Hall. We want to thank you and just celebrate the success of the evening. Okay. All right. few other announcements here. Um, if you are a Christian business owner, uh, we are having a, uh, a, a Christian business owners luncheon uh, that the Barstow Christian Ministers Association is hosting this Thursday, uh, November 2nd from 12 to 1. We want to see you there. If you're a Christian business owner, you can get the um, registration info back there at the info booth and sign up for that. Okay. Uh, let's see. There's no men's meeting for November. Uh, we got a really busy weekend. Uh, next weekend with uh, the party and all that stuff. So there's not going to be a men's meeting, but the next Friday, November 10th at 6.30 is women's meeting. So ladies, you here? I mean, that was pretty weak, but uh, it's okay. It's whatever. It's whatever. I don't even... uh, But okay. So Friday, November 10th, 6.30, you're studying the book of Ruth. Okay, and you're having Mexican food for the dinner. <laughs> I should not have heard a bigger cheer for the Mexican food than the Book of Ruth, but that's okay. That's between you. You can talk to God about that later. I'm fine. That doesn't do anything to me. I'll be at home watching wrestling with the boys. Okay, so let's see. Uh, ooh, here's one of my favorite things that we get to do only a few times a year. It's water baptism time, everybody. Sunday, November 12th, okay? And so if you haven't been baptized, and I'm telling you, if you haven't been baptized, you really should be baptized. Uh, we know that it's not, uh, you know, that's not how you get into heaven, but it is something that Jesus did tell us to do, and there's a lot of uh, excellent reasons that I won't preach on right now. But uh, if you haven't been baptized, I recommend that you do sign up, especially with how serious the times are. We took a pretty decent look at that this morning, so I would just say, hey, it's a great time to get baptized. So we'll pass that around. And then here's another, this is my probably favorite day of the whole year, believe it or not. And it is the church Thanksgiving dinner. Somebody come on, love it. I love it. I love it. It is my favorite day. And so that's going to be Sunday, November 19th. 
probably starting next week, we'll have the food sign-up sheet out there. But just imagine Thanksgiving dinner with hundreds of your closest family members. Isn't that, some of you are like, wait, that doesn't sound like a dream. That sounds like a nightmare. No, no, these are good. We lo- These are good family members. We love them. So uh, November 19th, uh, it's going to be right after the service. And we're super excited about this. So uh, just keep that on your calendar there. And then the last thing, we're just going to keep reminding you that uh, the Enriched Food Pantry over at Midtown uh, is just consistently looking for names on the volunteer list. The head lady, uh, Leah Johnston, has been out of town, and she's still out of town for another week on that. So if you haven't heard anything back and you did sign up, uh, she'll be back, I think, next week, and you'll probably be getting a phone call with some information on that if you want to help out with that. So, all right. I think that's all the announcements for tonight. So who knows what... What time it is, everybody? Happy time, yeah, because God just loves a cheerful giver. Uh, if you need an envelope, raise your hand, and the ushers will get one to you. And we're going to open up our Bibles to Psalm 35. Psalm 35, and I'm going to be in the King James on this. Psalm 35, and we're going to look here at verse 27. This is a verse that I remember uh, hearing in church a lot when I was a, a wee lad, a youngster. And, uh, and so I remember this first, but Psalm 35, and we're going to look at verse 27 in the King James. And it's important that you have the revelation in your heart that God does want you to prosper. And there is misconception that God wants his children to be poor and, and begging and just never have enough. That's not the will of God. God doesn't want money to have a hold of our heart where that's what we love because the love of money is the root of all evil. But certainly God wants his children to be blessed and prosperous. And so Psalm 35, verse 27, King James, it says, let them shout for joy and be glad. Come on, somebody. Yeah. That favor my righteous cause. Do you favor God's righteous cause? Amen. His cause of getting the gospel out, his cause of bringing people into the kingdom. Well, it says, yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And so no matter what we've heard, we just saw in the word of God right there that God has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And so just know this much that God wants you to prosper. God wants your finances is blessed. And the way that's going to happen is when we honor him with it and we favor his righteous cause and, and we're doing the right things with our money. God will bless it. And that's not going to have to be something that we're constantly straining and striving and begging for. God will take care of it. Can we get an amen tonight? All right, let's stand up and we're going to speak some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings this evening. Amen. And then we'll get into some praise and worship. And I'm excited to get into the word tonight on the topic of healing because God wants you to prosper and he also wants you healed and healthy. Amen. All right. Let's speak these words of faith together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, 
debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously to the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. Every tribe, every tongue, 
Every heart will sing, every knee we will bow to the risen King. Lift him up, lift him up, never gonna stop singing. Never gonna stop. Higher, higher, hearts burning bright like a fire, fire. Voices unite, make it louder, louder. We're never gonna stop singing. We're never gonna stop singing. One more time, let's sing every tribe. Every tribe, every tongue, every heart will sing. Every knee we will bow to the risen King. Lift him up, lift him up. Never gonna stop singing. Every tribe, every tongue. Every heart will sing, every knee we will bow to the risen King. Lift him up, lift him up, never gonna stop singing. Never gonna stop. Higher, higher, hearts burning bright like a fire, fire. Voices unite, make it louder, louder. We're never gonna stop singing. We're never going to stop singing. I can't get enough 
walk away. And I can't walk away. No, I can't walk away. For I have seen your face.
so grateful you told us we could use your name you said in your name we cast out demons in your name we lay hands on the sick and they shall recover said your name if we drink any deadly thing and will not harm us lord we want to thank you for your mighty name we know when you went up to heaven you sent us the mighty holy ghost to live in us and empower us and you gave us your name and your authority behind that name, Lord, to change circumstances around us. And Lord, I'm always going to remember what you told me back in the year 2000. You said, faith doesn't deny things, faith changes things. And so I want to thank you tonight as I teach your holy written word in the area of healing, Lord. And for this month, as I teach on healing, I want to thank you that the people's hearts are going to be filled with faith concerning your will for healing that the understanding is going to be open to see that greater is he that's in them than he that's in the world and they can lay their hands on the sick and you're the one who does the healing if sick comes into their family they can use their faith to get it out and we thank you Jesus that greater is you that's in us than he that's in the world amen, 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 amen. you can be seated We're going to be teaching every Sunday night in November, unless we're off for Thanksgiving or something on that Sunday night, in the area of divine healing. And as we were uh, worshiping, I was thinking about my, my Christian history for myself personally. I, start, I started uh, teaching the Bible in churches 42 years ago, started pastoring 31 years ago, and my strength has always been divine healing. And I was telling Mrs. Pastor today, out of all the probably thousands of people that have been healed in our ministry from minor things to major things, that uh, the main thing that they've got healed by is not the gifts of the Spirit for Spirit-filled Christians. We know the nine gifts of the Spirit, right? And gifts of healings, working in miracles, that's gifts. And we, people have been healed a lot of times by the gifts, but the primary way that people have been healed is by what I'm doing tonight, teaching the Word of God, teaching the Word of God. And the most sure way... To receive healing if you need it is with your own faith. And faith only comes one way. By hearing the word of God and acting on the word of God, then your faith can receive healing and you can hold on to your faith a lot easier if it is your faith that receives it. But the gifts of the gifts of, gifts of the Spirit are for real. And I was thinking that for a number of years back in Indiana, I had a Wednesday morning service. That's kind of weird, isn't it? Have a Wednesday morning service. But Jesus had me do that. And we had people from churches from the little towns around it everywhere come to that healing service 
And a lot of people from other churches came and they got healed because of what we taught. And I, I, what, what, what I described as the vision of my, of my healing school was this. Number one, and you might want to write some of these things down because there's things you probably never heard before. But number one, the purpose of teaching the Word of God, same thing as here tonight and for these services here, is for people that need to receive healing to know how to receive healing from Jesus. You know, a lot of people know that, that he can, but they don't know how to get it. And so our purpose is teach people that are actually here, or people now watching out there online, how to receive the healing they need. And then number two, which to me is just as important for the people that come to be able to take what I teach out to other people, teach them how to receive healing. How many here have ever done that? Things you've heard, you've taken somewhere else. Hey man, a lot of you have, you've done that. And so that's the purpose. So I think about it for, uh, starting teaching on healing 42 years ago. And as a pastor, I've been doing this for 31 years, that thousands and thousands and thousands of times I've taught these things. And people have, so many people received miracles. And I know in this church right here today, there's a lot of people here today that, that, that are alive because of what we taught. Amen. Amen. I know we have a lot of new people now, people watching that don't know our history, but Pastor Dave, if it wasn't for what we knew, Pastor Dave wouldn't be here. When he was three and a half years old, he was diagnosed with leukemia, and he was crippled. And so anyway, from two weeks of diagnosis, the doctors at the children's hospital found no cancer. And he walked out of the hospital dancing, like the man in the book of Acts chapter 3, walking and leaping and praising the Lord. He came out two weeks later. Back in 2017, I was having a lot of things hit my body, and on New Year's Day of 2018, I was diagnosed with blood cancer. And the doctor said I had 70% cancer at 30% blood. I was basically brain dead. Mrs. Pastor, for a lot of 2017, I had a, had a room I went to do all my praying and studying all the time, and she didn't know what was going on because she, our whole married life, she used to be going by myself and just spending the whole day at the Lord. And so I'd go to that room in the morning time, and because my brain wasn't working, the doctor explained to me, no blood could get to my brain because my brain was too thick. I mean, the blood was too thick, and so it wouldn't flow. And so I'd go to that room in the daytime. I sit down in my chair. I lay my Bible out, my journal, and I start to study. And then 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, all of a sudden I'd go. Same place I laid it down. I was just zoned out all day long. This went on for months. And I'd go back out there because... My brain wasn't working. I couldn't tell I was having problems. And so then I, I realized after a few months at nighttime about, about all of a sudden I realized about nine o'clock at night, all of a sudden something kicked in for about an hour I could think. And so I told her, man, something's wrong with me. And so anyway, they diagnosed it with that. And so I went through chemotherapy, chemotherapy things for a few months. Then my, all, all my veins collapsed. I couldn't give me anymore. And so I said, Jesus is going to finish it anyway. He's the one we're looking to. So I did that. So in the midst of that then, I had a very, very serious heart attack. And the heart attack got me to the hospital, and the doctors the doctors said, you're walking dead, man. You shouldn't be here. And then after they did what they did, they said that my main artery, called my right, cord, right coronary artery, was 99% blocked. And so we looked at it as they did what they did. Well, I was awake during the surgery because they wanted me awake for some reason. And the only way I can describe what I saw, how many know how big a straw is you drink out of? Well, that's what my artery looked like, like a straw. How have you ever seen a piece of thread like you sewed with? Okay, well, the thing there, when they did it, and the thing opened up, 
it's like a thread was how much blood was flowing, and then the 99% of it was like that whole straw blocked, except for a thing the size of a thread. So they got that out of there, et cetera, et cetera. So all I'm saying is this. I've learned how to receive healing. I've learned how to take healing to others. And so I don't like the fact that I got a personal testimony. I don't like that at all. But I like it better than having people look at my wife and said, he was a good man. See, my kids say, your dad was a good man. He was a good pastor. I didn't want that to happen. I like people to see me now say, he's a Bible teacher that helps us. Amen. That, that's what I like. And so I just want to say this for you as believers. And a lot of you may have been saved for a lot of years. I'd always heard a lot about healing, never really been taught how to receive healing or how to take healing to others. And so I want to instill into you confidence from the Word of God so you'll never have a shadow of a doubt about the will of God to heal people. And you'll be able to recognize things as you minister to people and look at your own life if you have blockages in your faith that hinders you from receiving healing. And one thing, I've got a lot of notes here i got to get through for what we're doing but one thing that I noticed as a common thing over all these years of teaching healing, that the majority of Christians that I've known in the churches I've pastored, at, church, at, at Christians I've met along the way, that they think if they get enough people praying for them, that's how you get it. That's not how you get it. Jesus said many times, according to your faith, be it done unto you. Amen. And he did say, if any two of you shall agree. So it doesn't take a bunch of people on Facebook giving you 10,000 likes. It doesn't take putting a picture of somebody lost all their hair through chemotherapy and feeling sorry for them. How many is going to tell this grandma they feel sorry for her so she'll get healed? It doesn't take that. Uh, sorry doesn't get people healed. Faith in Jesus gets people healed. And I, to- I told this church, I'm saying all this again for all the churches that have been here a long time. A lot of people haven't heard this story. What I did, what I did for my healing, I did what the Bible says in James chapter 5, verse 14. He said, if there's any sick among you, call him, let him call for the elders of the church. Well, I think we had 17 or 18 elders at the time, leaders. And so I called a special meeting after the diagnosis. And I said, elders, here's what the Bible says. Jesus said, would you pray the prayer of faith over me and anoint me with oil? Jesus said, I will heal the sick. The prayer of faith will heal the sick. And so faith is not double-minded. Faith is not going back to God over and over and over and over again. And say, I don't think you told the truth, so I'm going to pray again. And so I told the elders, I said, now you prayed for me according to what the Bible says. The prayer of faith shall heal the sick. And I asked the elders, I said, were you guys in faith? Did you pray the prayer of faith? Yes, pastor, we did. And so I said, okay, I don't want you to ever pray for me again then because God heard us when we prayed. I said, what I want you to do is when you think about me, what the diagnosis was, just stop and say, thank you, Jesus. The prayer of faith's been prayed and our pastor is getting better every day. Prayer of faith's been prayed. And so then the congregation on the next Sunday morning, I come up and stood up there. I told the congregation, here's what I've been diagnosed with. And then I said, the elders prayed the prayer of faith over me. And so I said, I don't want you guys to feel sorry for me because I saw a lot of people crying. Because that sounded pretty serious when your pastor said, I've been diagnosed with blood cancer, 70% of my blood's cancer. I mean, it made a lot of people sad. And I saw tears all over the congregation. I said, don't feel sorry for me. 
What I want you to do is when you think about me, stop and praise God that the prayer of faith will heal the sick. I'm getting better every day. And so over the course, over the course of the time, I told people, and I said, don't ask me how I feel because that's not going to help me because I feel like dying. And so I don't walk by feelings. I walk by faith. And I said, no matter what you see I look like, because I didn't know what I was going to look like. I said, no matter what I look like, don't feel sorry for me. Just stop and thank Jesus. His word's true. Prayer of faith was prayed. Pastor getting better every day. And I got to the place where I couldn't hardly walk. I fell down and things like that. So there's always a couple of ushers would get out to my car and walk with me. And they want to grab me like that because I was stumbling. I said, don't do that. I want, I want the congregation to see that. That'll, that'll hinder their faith. I said, only reason I want you to touch me, if I start to go down, then grab me. As long as I'm still on my feet, then just keep on walking with me beside me. Amen. Amen. And so see, so many Christians I've known, they think if people pity them, that's going to help them. It's not, it'll kill you. Amen. Pity will get you killed. You don't need pity. You need faith in Jesus and his word to receive your healing. Amen. So anyway, uh, wasn't planning on telling you those things, but I told you those things because it's nice to know, like Pastor Dave sometimes uh, talks about, if you want somebody that's going to do brain surgery on you, you don't want the guy that's just been to school to tell you what he learned in school. You want the guy that's did a couple thousand cases of brain surgery. Guy's been down the road. I've been down the road. I know how this thing works. And it really works. And so I'm going to teach you some things. But I want you to uh, look at some books I want to show you because it's books that's always helped me. But first I want to show you our devotional for November. This is the ones that, that I write this myself. I'm not copying somebody's things. Everything in here <clears throat> I wrote every word of. These devotions, I write these words out of all these years of experience. But this week, this month is called Healing and Health. Healing and Health. Every one of these lessons are really short little lessons. They're free. They're back there at the, on the counter. And, uh, prob- probably this month I'll be picking some of these out or just teaching some of these to you for the month of November. But they're all things that are real to me from the Word of God that have proven they work. And I've got a lot of testimonies from my own life and from things that's happened in other people's lives in here. I can just, I can talk all night long, <clears throat> long just giving you testimonies of some of the things that I've seen, the miracles I've seen in people's lives from what what we've taught, what we've done. But here's another book by Brother Hagin about God's, it's called God's Word on Divine Healing. God's Word. And Brother, Brother Kenneth Hagin, my primary mentor, that I just so much preach and teach a lot like he did because he influenced more than anybody else for years and years and years. And he still does. And then here's another one. And this is, this is one that I think will help you. It's called Hindrances. Hindrances to Healing. Sin will block healing. Unforgiveness will block healing. There's so many other things that can, but a lot of times it's unbelief. Unbelief blocks healing. And unbelief is simply saying doubting. Disobedience to what God's called you to do. Anyway, that's a good little book that'll help you. And then here's one called How to Keep Your Healing. How to Keep Your Healing. And I, I think about something that uh, Brother Hagin teaches this book that I learned a long time ago that I've had, everybody that's had a terminal diagnosis, I've taught this same thing to them personally. I spend time with people to help them. But Brother Hagin said more people lose their healing in the counterattack than the other one thing, the counterattack. 
Satan will come. If you've been, you've received healing for serious things or even minor things, there'll be something you've had. And then Jesus healed you. Doctor said you're healed. Doctor said there's no sign of it. It's gone. And then a little ways down the road when your guard's down, he'll throw a symptom on your body. And because Jesus said you could have what you say, that, that's one of the big bases of faith. Then the first thing out of so many people's mouth, if they're not serious Christians that sit in church that teaches healing, that study their own Bibles, and get their own revelation of the Word of God that Jesus wants them healed, then when that pain comes back or something, first thing out of the mouth, I've got it again. It came back. I guess I must not have been good enough. And they start talking all these things. And what they're saying is, Mr. Devil, bring it back. And so Christians need to be taught how to keep their healing. Those books there are excellent resources. But I want you to open up to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. And I have some things on the uh, on the overhead there. And, uh, you know, I may keep up with them, may not. But the title tonight is A Closer Look at Jesus' Healing Ministry. A Closer Look at Jesus' Healing Ministry. We're going to look at uh, Matthew 4, verse 23. But I want to say this uh, for this title here. I know my dad was always a mechanic. And I never really learned much about mechanicing. I mean, I, I means no mechanic. But I know enough to do some things. But as long as my dad was living... That could work on cars for me. I never had this in to learn much because the dad did it. And then after my dad got older and got out of it and then ended up going to heaven, then by then, if I wanted my car fixed, I'd have to find some expensive mechanic. I had to start learning to do what I on my own. So I watched him, but I didn't know what to do. And I still like to watch people work on things because I want to learn too. And if there was one thing, knowing that somebody else could fix something, it's another thing to know how they fixed it. Amen. How, well, there's women here that do mechanical things too. How have you ever learned that? It's one thing to know that somebody else can fix that, to know how to call, call, call parts in, what parts are, and what tools are. But it's another thing for you to actually diagnose it yourself and fix it yourself. Two different things. Amen. And so it's one thing to know that Jesus healed people in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's another thing to go in like I used to do with my dad. I still do mechanics today. I did last week. Had, took my car to get worked on. The guy said, well, what's your, what's your, what's your plans for today? I said, sit and watch you. I want to see how you do this. And so I like to see how Jesus did things. And so this will help you to learn how to receive healing from Jesus. So Matthew chapter four, verse 23, notice it says, and Jesus went about all Galilee teaching. I underline that teaching in their synagogues. And preaching, I underlined that, teaching and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing. And I underlined that, teaching, preaching, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Now, I want you to jump over to chapter 9, verse 35, and we're taking a closer look at Jesus' ministry. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And it says again, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching. I underlined that. We're, we're, we're in his healing textbook. This is the textbook on healing about Jesus. Teaching in their synagogues and preaching. And I underlined that. The gospel of the kingdom and healing. And I underlined that. Every sickness 
at every disease among the people. I got a revelation tonight out of all the years I've taught this about Jesus' ministry that I never saw till tonight. Did you notice that it said the first thing he did was teaching before preaching? And I didn't realize tonight what that really meant because it's, it's like my ministry. I'm not a preacher. I'm called a preacher, but I'm a teacher. And it's very hard for me to do an evangelistic service. Sometimes the city's done things like that, wouldn't participate, get up there and preach to people like that. That's way out of my comfort zone because I don't have the grace and the gift to preach very much. Pastor Dave has always been more of a preacher, but I've noticed the last few services, he's kind of getting into that teaching thing more and more and more and more. And as we get into this lesson tonight, you're going to see the difference between a preacher and a teacher. But I noticed that Jesus emphasized he was more of a teacher than a preacher. He preached, but he did more teaching. And you're going to see the value of the teaching as we look at that. But in my life, I just realized my whole Christian life, I have never really been a very good preacher. Because preaching is really not in me. Teaching's in me. I preach, but when I preach, I fumble. That's just the way it is. And see, this is going to help you with healing the things I'm saying. And so notice that Jesus had a method and a plan for his ministry of healing. He was teaching and preaching before the healing ever took place. And Jesus got excellent results. How many would believe that? Amen. Jesus had a method. And so many people, because they've not really been taught how Jesus uh, fulfilled his ministry, they never caught these things. They just thought, oh, we have to say, oh, Jesus can. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Well, the Bible is very, very specific about how things work. And so I followed Jesus' example for 43 years as a Christian, 42 years preaching. And that's why people that have consistently submitted to, this was a key. People that have consistently submitted to and attended multiple services a week have lived in divine health many times, have never failed to receive healing, if they needed it. Yeah, I keep seeing Dave back there. You know, talk about he's a mechanic. And Dave, he went through some very serious cancer issues himself a few years ago. He got treatments and everything. But Jesus was his first line of defense, like he was me when I had it, and first line of offense. I just, I just think about the things I've seen happen. Back, in, I got to stay up my notes. I want you all to stay awake. But I keep seeing faces. Back, back in Indiana, I had this woman that I thought she was old at the time. She was only in her 70s. But back then, back then, I thought that was old. But since my wife and I are in our 70s, we don't think that's old anymore. What do we think is old? Well, I think 80 might be. But I get to 80, I'll probably think 90. <laughs> but anyway, I thought she was really old. And she had she'd had diabetes for 35 years. She came to healing school every Wednesday morning. She came to Wednesday night service. She came to Sunday morning service, Sunday night service. She was just a good older woman, a Christian, a solid Christian, been a Christian for a lot of years. And she kept sitting under the healing word, the healing word, the healing word. She heard me teach this and teach this and teach this and teach this. And one Wednesday night, I come in for our service. And, you know, a bunch of people sitting up there like that. And, you know, we, 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 we don't do testimonies on Wednesday night. I mean, just because it's short, people need to get in and get out. And I'm getting up there just kind of like that, getting ready to preach. <laughs> I thought, man, come on, Sarah, what's up? And she said, I want to testify. 
I thought, gosh, you would testify your dog got healed or your light bill got paid or what? I didn't know. Because, you know, she was on, she was on public assistance and everything. So something, something got paid or she had gas to get to church. I mean, that was always good stuff. And she said, I went to my doctor this week and my doctor took me off of insulin. And I said, yeah, that, well, that's, that's really good. She said, I went in. I hadn't been feeling good. And he said, well, your problems, you're taking insulin. She said, I've had diabetes 35 years. I've been taking it 35 years. He said, yeah, but you don't have diabetes anymore, Sarah. You don't have diabetes anymore. Insulin is starting to mess you up. Quit taking that insulin. That's what I say anybody's got diabetes. Keep taking your insulin unless your doctor ever tells you not to. That's up to your doctors, not up to us. But anyway, what I'm saying is this. Sarah, evidently, by sitting so much under this teaching, it got into her spirit. And her spirit reached out and grabbed healing because her head was still going tilt, tilt, tilt. She is confused in her head. But that anointing, that faith got into her heart and it affected her body. Think about another time. Well, if I don't get all this done tonight, we'll do it next week. I think about another time. Sunday morning service, service getting ready to start. And a phone call came to the church. We didn't have cell phones back in those days. Phone call came to the church. And a lady named Diana had a husband named James. And James was in his 70s. I thought he was old, but I found out now James wasn't old either. But anyway, James was in the emergency room at our local hospital. They said he just had a major stroke. By the way, that's another testimony. I had a major stroke back in June and came out of it really quick. The doctor said there was a boop, blew my brain up back there, a great big thing that big in my brain. And I couldn't talk for just a little bit where just stupid stuff came out. Spent a few days in the hospital, and then the doctors did all the MRIs and the CTTs and the CSTs, whatever all the stuff is they do, did all kinds of stuff, and they told me, how are you talking? I said, with my mouth. I said, you shouldn't be talking. The part of your brain controls your speech and your all kinds of stuff there. I said, man, it's been, it's take a major hit. And they told me, I can't remember the numbers. Now, see, I don't major on the diagnosis of sickness. I major on the Word of God. And so anyway, my own doctor, who's a really seriously good doctor, matter of fact, he's the head doctor down at St. Mary's over the doctors down there. He, he told me, he said, hey, that wasn't just a minor stroke. Whatever the numbers are they use, I can't remember what it was. Like if the number's number five, he said, man, you had a four and a half. And he said, and all he knows to say to me is this, somebody up there is really watching you. And I said, yeah, doctor, his name's Jesus. <laughs> but anyway... Anyway, James had had a stroke, and so I never leave my services on Sunday morning, but I knew that I had to get to the hospital with James and Diana. And so my music minister, Stan, I looked over Stan. I said, Stan, i got to leave. I want you to preach this morning. And you should have seen Stan's face. <laughs> he had some kind of a panic attack. But we, we got Stan going, so I got to the hospital, Got to the hospital, and it's been a long time ago, but the main thing is, I remember this, he was unconscious, and they said, if he ever came out of it, he would be a vegetable, and he wouldn't function. Yeah, yeah, bleeding in the brain, and all the really, really bad stuff, so I laid hands on him, and I told told his family, I said, agree with my prayer, I said, I'm a believer, I laid hands on him in the name of Jesus, and he shall recover, I think it was either that same day 
or the next day, he came out of it, and he pretty much had everything back except a little bit of his functions wasn't there. And so then here's the testimony when it's all over with. It talked about hindrances. James, now listen to this. James was a serious resistor about tithing. That's between him and God. I've done my business. But then it come to find out a couple of weeks before that, he and his wife were coming to the Wednesday night service and she wanted to tithe and he fought her on it. And at his age, he got so mad at her, he got out and walked seven miles home. Over tithing. Over tithing. So he told us and he told the whole church later on, he said, when pastor prayed for me, I was laying there. And he said, Jesus walked into the room. He walked up to me. He said, James, you might as well come home. He said, you won't even tithe. You're no good for me on earth. Just come on home. And so then James said, he communicated with Jesus however he did. He said, Jesus, if you'll let me live, I'll start tithing. Amen. Annie, do you remember, you're a little girl. Do you remember that testimony? Yeah, she remembers it. Mom, you remember it. Pastor Dave. These guys all remember it. They were there. And so then James then, James then, received most of his healing. He just, I think, something like maybe 5% had a leg messed up or something. And the Lord had me tell James this. James, you got 95% of that because of my prayer. But Jesus wants you now to develop your faith and get that last 5% to receive the rest of your healing. And so I don't know we we ended up moving to California, but the last I knew, James was still living and functioning and doing all that God wanted him to do. He got rid of the hindrance. Amen. That's a good time to praise the Lord. Amen. And so, and so Jesus was teaching, preaching, and healing. And I've, I've done that for multiple services over the years back in Indiana. We have one, two, well, we have four services a week. Five, had five services a week. And I taught healing a lot, and people got it. So I'm just telling for the ones listening, my prayer has been for the last few days, no one was going to start teaching November, that your eyes would be open, that you would start seeing and understanding from the Word of God how Jesus wants you healed. He wants your kids healed. Amen. That's what he wants. And so notice again the order of Jesus' ministry. He was teaching, preaching, and then healing. And I'm going to give you some things I've learned over the years to help you understand these words. To preach means to proclaim and to teach means to explain. And what, and what I've always seen is that a majority of the pastors I've been around, churches I've been to and things like that, people do a lot of preaching, which is good. Preaching is biblical. Preaching gets people excited and stirs them up. And I've watched preaching for years, and this is not a critical thing at all, because Jesus was teaching and preaching. Preaching gets people excited and lets them know you can have this. Jesus wants you blessed financially. Jesus wants your kids serving God. Jesus wants your marriage blessed. Jesus wants you to have it. Preaching gets people all excited. But then people, when they leave, they're excited, and you can't live on excitement very long. It's just like the air of a bloom. You get all pumped up. You come in. You're kind of depressed because of things going on. You're kind of let down about life. And, you know, we're talking about healing tonight. You're kind of let down. You get all excited. Oh, glory to God. I know I'm going to make it. Jesus wants to be healed. Well, then if you don't know how to receive it because you haven't been taught how to receive it, all of a sudden it's all about Monday, Tuesday, it's gone. 
the air comes out of your bloom where all of a sudden you're back down facing reality again and you got excited and so that all you want to do is get back to church again to get another fix. And I'm not saying that in a bad way at all. But if we're going to see Jesus' methods of healing, we've got to see what he did. He taught and he preached and people received healing or whatever else they need. And so anyway, uh, to t- preach means to proclaim so we can proclaim loudly and clearly Jesus wants you saved. But if somebody doesn't show you how to get saved, how do you get saved? Jesus wants you to have financial prosperity, to have more than enough. If somebody doesn't show you how to get it, how are you going to get it? Jesus wants you healed, but the doctor told you that what you got is going to kill you and there's no cure. How are you going to receive healing? If somebody doesn't teach you, you understand what I'm saying? Preaching will get you excited, but excitement doesn't get healing. Faith in the Word of God does. And then preaching gives you hope, but teaching shows you how to turn your hope into reality. I want to say that again. Jesus made that statement to me years ago. I've always loved that. Teaching shows you how to turn your hope into reality. So Jesus did both. And we still need good Bible preaching and teaching today. Many times people need hope before they can get into faith. That's Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. You know, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope is what you need, but then you need to keep staying with the word, sitting under good teaching to turn that hope into faith. And so another way, another way I like to say this is this, because how many know that Jesus taught that, that equated the word of God as a seed, like the seed goes to the ground? And he talked about preachers is the farmers that they plant the seed. And then the seed gets planted, like Pastor Dave talked about this morning. You got hard ground that the seed lays there, and the birds come and eat the seed which is the devil come to steal the word. And you got you got good ground that the seed's planted and the seed's watered and the ground's taken care of. And that's Christians that live a life. And when the word comes in, they go ahead and go home. They start taking care of their garden, salt of their heart, and they pray, they praise, they serve Jesus. Then they're watering that seed and staying with it. And so that brings forth 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. And so preaching plants the word and teaching waters the word. Now listen to this. I'm going to tell you something that, that may be revelation to some of you. The first time, and I noticed this as a baby Christian until I learned this, I didn't understand how it works. The first time you hear any subject taught from the Bible, you get all excited. Woo, woo, woo. Jesus wants me healed. Jesus wants my marriage blessed. Jesus wants my kids blessed. Oh, he wants our family to do good. You get all excited. And then the next time you hear that subject taught again, Teaching is watering what was already planted. Preaching plants the seed. I may be planting some seed tonight in some people's hearts. But then, if you yourself will begin to study those scriptures at home yourself, if you'll come back and sit under more of that, every time you come and hear the word word of God taught that subject, it's getting watered, it's getting watered, it's getting watered, it'll start growing in you. Until one day, instead of just saying, oh, I know that by Jesus' stripes I was healed, you're going to say, by Jesus' stripes, I was healed. That's what I said, but he was diagnosed. I wasn't looking for healing. It was real to me, by Jesus' stripes, he was healed. I wasn't trying to get healing when I was diagnosed. It was real to me because the word had been planted and watered 
enough over the years that I knew in me that by Jesus' stripes I was healed. And then something else, just there's so many things I could say. But just get this mentality. As a believer, you're not trying to get healed. You've already been healed, and Satan's trying to steal it. Think about that. I'm going to say it again. If the Bible says, by Jesus' stripes you were healed, and it does, Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5, Matthew 8, 17, 1 Peter 2, 24. If it says, by Jesus' stripes you were healed, then you're not trying to get healing. Satan's trying to steal what you've already got. And that might sound something really, really weird to you. That's okay. Stay under the word. It'll become real to you that one day, all of a sudden, when sickness attacks, you say, no, Satan, I resist you in Jesus' name. I submit to God. Get out of here. Flee. I've got authority over you in the name of Jesus. Take that cancer. And one thing, one thing I learned when I had cancer, he had cancer. I'd never, ever one time said my son's cancer. It wasn't his cancer. It was the devil's cancer. I said he was diagnosed with cancer. And then because when you're a Christian, if you try to talk spiritual things to doctors and people in the health profession and even other Christians and people that don't know what we're talking about, you're casting your pearl before a swine and they just write you off as a loony. They think you're a nut. The doctors, you go to the doctor, doctor diagnosis, is, oh no, that can't be. The doctor thinks, I'm looking at it. I showed you what I mean that can't be. Well, that's a fact that Jesus said the truth to set you free. He said his words the truth. So the truth will change the facts. And so I never said, when dealing with doctors and medical people like that, I never said my cancer. It wasn't my cancer. The devil tried to put it on me, and I wouldn't let him in the name of Jesus because I knew that by Jesus' stripes I was healed. So my physical body was affected, but I kept the pressure of the diagnosis through the Word of God. I pounded it every day thinking Jesus, thinking Jesus, by his stripes I was healed. Thanking Jesus, the elders have prayed for me and the prayer of faith was working. Healing is working in me. It was working in me. And by the way, my, my, my oncologist, I have to go back a couple times a year, started off with that uh, my immune system always be compromised and all these different things there. It's got to the place now to where she says, your blood's all perfect. Your immune system. And I mean, that's just the way it is. They see under the microscope what the Word of God says. I kept telling the congregation that whole time, I, g- I gave them updates because this this was a, what we call a teachable moment. I mean, here's a man walking through the valley of the shadow of death, and the Lord told me, said, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Psalm 91.1 says that when I abide the secret place of the Most High, the shadow of the Almighty overshadows me. He said, when you walk through the shadow, valley of the shadow of death, you'll fear no evil because the greater shadows with you. Amen. And so, and, so, and so I tell the congregation, I kept telling this every time I had to go back to my checkups. I said, pretty soon they're going to look at that microscope and they're going to say, we've never seen this in medical school, never seen it. What's First Peter 2.24? We're seeing First Peter 2.24. Well, that says, by Jesus' stripes you were healed. Guess what they see now? First Peter 2.24. But you know, that didn't happen because I was lucky. That didn't happen because somebody up there must like me. He loves me. He loves all of you. He loves all the Christians that have died before their time. He loves them all. 
But Jesus always said, according to your faith, be it done unto you. Amen. Do you hear what I'm saying? Amen. And so Jesus was teaching and preaching and healing. Now, how many are able to hang on to this long enough to go through some of this, try to get try to get some things out of here that I've got written down? I want it to help you. And so uh, I, I want you to look at Matthew chapter 8. That's where we're going to spend a lot of time at if we're able to go. But uh, if I start to see I'm losing, you will have to shut it down. We'll finish it next week. Because I want to hold on to you because I, 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 I know the older I get, the more I recognize that the, that, that, that the heart can only receive what the seat will endure. Amen. As long, long as you're able to sit comfortably and be able to receive it, then I'll deliver it. But if I, you get to the place you can't, then I've got to back off or I'm not doing my job. And we'll come back next week. Matthew chapter 8. And in Matthew chapter 8, this is a really great example of the fruit from Jesus going throughout the region of teaching preaching and healing. This is the fruit of that. Matthew chapter 8, verse 2. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if, if, that's a doubt, if thou will, thou canst make me clean. And I want you to notice this. Jesus put forth his hand. That's called laying on of hands. Remember Jesus said, lay hands on the sick and in his name they shall recover. Jesus is telling us to do what he always did. As you become a really serious student of the word, you're going to see all through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus all the time laid his hands on people. It says Jesus put forth his hand to test him, saying, now look at this, I will. I will. I've known people have always said things like, if I only knew the will of God for my son's healing, if I only knew the will of God, Jesus is and was the will of God in an earth suit on earth. He said, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleaned. And so Jesus, Jesus never turned anybody down. I remember the first time I heard that when I was a young Christian because I wasn't raised in church. I was around enough religious Christians about all the doubt about uh, Paul's thorn in the flesh and all, all the stuff people have about, about God not wanting to heal everybody and God can't heal everybody, won't heal everybody. I remember I heard a preacher like me one time that had been around as long as I've been around now, but he had then, and I was new at it, and I just was around enough uh, Doubting Thomas-type Christian. You know Doubting Thomas? They doubt, they doubt, they doubt, they doubt. I was around enough people that always had a reason why people didn't get healed, always had a reason. And so I heard a preacher say one time, he said this, I make a challenge to everybody out here. Go through the Gospels and find one time that Jesus turned anybody down for healing. I thought that would be easy to do. So I become a serious student of the word. I begin to study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I found out he never turned them down. Never turned them down. Is Hebrews 13, 8 in the Bible? Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever? Well, I come to find out then that Jesus never turned anybody down. He doesn't turn them down today. And that's why I said at the start of this service tonight that my job was to teach people how to receive. Not how to talk God into it, but how to receive what's already his will. How many know it's the will of God for the whole earth to be saved? 
all these different religions around the world and all these other countries don't believe in our God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's his will for everyone to be saved. It's God's will that none should perish. That's his will, that none should perish. That's 2 Peter 3, 9. But that all, all should come to repentance. Are all going to come to repentance? It's obviously they don't. But the will of God is they should. It's the will of God for all to be healed, Christians and sinners. It's his will. Sin and sickness are cousins. They have the same spiritual father, the devil. Amen. And so Jesus said, I will. And so never doubt, never doubt, never doubt, never doubt. And that's what I want to get into you. Never doubt. Please read this devotional every day. Don't read it like a book. Just try to read as fast as you can. Say I read it every day. I make these really short little lessons every day. Look up the verses I have there every day. Read those. If some really, if some really speak to you, write them down on a piece of paper. Write them down on a card. Take a picture of them. Put them on your cell phone. Read these every day, every day, and never doubt because Jesus is the same yesterday and forever. And it is his will to heal you and your loved ones if you need it. Say this with me just as an act of faith. Say it's God's will, it's God's will. for me. And my family to be healed. Say it one more time. Say it's God's will for me and my family to be healed. Amen. Amen. For, for the sake of time, I'm going to read you just a few verses out of, out of John. Because I would like to get through as much of this as I can tonight. And so just, these are going to be on the screen. But John 14, 9. John, uh, yeah, John 14, 9. Jesus, in talking to Thomas says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And, you know, a lot of times I think about Pastor Dave preaching and teaching uh, the things he is, and so many times I hear him up to saying things I've taught for all these years, I thought, wow, that's me up there preaching again. I'm getting to watch me because he's my son raised in my house. And I taught him a whole lot of what he knows. He's learned a, lot, a whole lot of things on himself now because he's serious about his walk. He studies the Bible. He prays, spends time with God. He listens to other good preachers, thinks he's got his own. But I'd, I'd say probably about half what comes out of him is the stuff I've preached all these years he's got a hold of. So I say, you look at Pastor Dave, I say, say, well, you see Pastor Dave, you see Pastor Samples. Amen. How many of you have children that you've noticed they act a lot like you. Some, some of you say, Stan A. Badger said, oh me. <laughs> Hopefully you say amen. And so listen to this. You know, people don't need to get God and Jesus mixed up about, well, we know that's what Jesus wanted. But Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I wrote this down a while ago. Jesus was God in an earth suit living on earth for 33 years. Jesus was God in the earth suit for 33 years, demonstrating, demonstrating the will of God. Jesus was demonstrating the will of God. Don't get God mixed up with Jesus in a way of thinking, well, we know that Jesus was, but God's not like that. Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Pastor Dave walks in love. Well, I've walked in love in my Christian life. 
hadn't been perfect all the time, especially California highways. But I'm quick to repent. <laughs> and the older I get, the better I get. But the thing is, we have to understand Jesus was God in an earth suit. And then in John 8, 20, uh, 28, 29, says Jesus basically, I got it written down here the way I've got it. He said, I only say what I've heard my father say. He said, I say what I heard my father say. What did he tell that leper? He said, I will. He, the leper said, if you will, will you heal me? He said, I will. And immediately, immediately he reached out and he touched him. And then in John uh, 5, 19, he basically said, I only do what I see my father do. I only do what I see my father do. And I can say this. For all my years of ministry, I only do what I see my Savior do. I saw my Savior lay hands on the sick. He told me to lay hands on the sick. I do what he did, and I've got to say, out of all my years of ministry, I've seen miraculous results time after time after time after time. I remember on a Wednesday night in this church, on a Wednesday night, not really our most spiritual night, but it's a good spiritual night. We're teaching the Bible. Well, we had a lady that was one of the, from one of the neighborhoods around here. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know uh, how strong her walk was, but I know that by that I talk about her spiritual life. But I know that she loved Jesus and wanted to come to church sometimes. And so she'd show up sometimes. And uh, I've said that to say this, the love of Jesus. She walked in on a Wednesday night, said she'd been to the doctor. She has really serious contacts uh cataracts can't hardly see much and we're having a regular Wednesday night service I taught the Bible about a half hour you know 30 40 minutes taught the Bible and then she came up here and I was standing right about right here she came up here and she said she told me that story about the cataracts that's supposed to have surgery so you pray for me I don't want surgery I don't I don't want cataracts (laughs) I laid my hands on her and they disappeared they disappeared they were gone Amen. And so what I'm saying is, it's the love of Jesus. It's the love of Jesus many times. And not your great sold outness or your great how good you are. You prayed enough because that's another trick of the devils. You don't pray enough. Well, the busy lives we got, you may not be in a room shut down on your knees with your eyes closed and your hands up. But if you're talking to Jesus during the day, your fellowship with him as much as you can where you are. You're praying enough. Amen. Jesus is the one that does the healing because he loves you. He said, I will be healed. It's that lady come up this line and just, boy, did I feel real spiritual? Well, I felt like having an altar call so I could get saved. See, preachers, I was telling somebody this this morning, we walk by faith, not by sight. We don't walk by feeling. We don't walk by emotions. There's been so many times when I was up here preaching and asking people to come up, you know, you want prayer like that? And you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to turn around like this and look at me and have to go like that. I need prayer because we don't go by feelings. We go by faith in the Word of God. If God's Word says it, God said it. Did you ever think about that, why we call it God's Word? Because He said it. And we wrote it down. How about your word? You know, I'm looking at all the faces out here. I think about Billy. If Billy, t- if I asked Billy, 
how about how much are your hamburgers? You got a special on hamburgers on Tuesdays or Wednesdays? You know, when Billy tells me what they are, that's the greatest thing I can know about her restaurant because Billy told me, I got Billy's word. Hamburgers are this today or whatever it is. That's the word of Billy. Think about Colin. Colin knows a lot about a lot of things. And if I asked Colin a car question about working on cars, and Colin said, he said, he said, well, Dad, here's what it is. I said, I got Colin's word. This is what it is. So I'm going to get that part. That's the word of Colin. The word of God is the word of God. Amen. Amen. If God said through Jesus, I will, then you don't have to doubt he will. Amen. Amen. He said, you've seen me. You've seen the Father. He said, I only do what I see the Father do. And, and then John six thirty eight says, I came from heaven to do the will of him that sent me. I, I just am so, in my heart, sold out at what I'm teaching tonight to get in the heart and the thinking of everybody in this service tonight, everybody watching out there, get this in your heart. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, I came to do the will of the Father. And so don't separate the will of God from what Jesus did because Jesus said, I'm doing what he told me to do. And so when Jesus told that man, it is my will to heal you. He said, I only say what I hear the Father say. It was the will of God to heal Dave. It was the will of God to heal my son. It was the will of God to heal her. Well, we lived with a lot of serious things over the years too. I mean, you hobble on that little thing, hopping through here. Wow, man, you come through yours good. But it's the will of God no matter what you've got. You have to understand this. Write this verse down, John 10, 10. Write this verse down. You've got to get this. In John 10, 10, Jesus said, The thief cometh not before to steal, to kill, and destroy. If you're off work because of sickness and losing your pay, and can't feed your family, and you can't go to work, is that stealing, killing, or destroying? Okay, where'd it come from then? The thief. The thief. And somebody said, well, I know, but uh, I think God wants to teach me something. Well, you know what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4? says he put teachers in the church to teach you something. You know what? You know what he said also in the, in the book of John? In the book of John, in chapter 16, chapter 14, he said, the Holy Spirit will teach you. Nowhere did he say, he'll tell the devil, put cancer on the kids I love to teach them. He never said, kill their loved ones to teach them something. That's the thief come to steal, kill, and destroy. You got to get that in your thinking, in your heart. Sometimes it's possible Christians open doors for the devils to attack. But that's why he told us what to do. First John 1, 9, he said, if you sin, confess your sin. He's faithful just to forgive you and cleanse you and get you right with him. And so when Christians know they've done wrong, he made the escape route. It's called repent. Ask Jesus for forgiveness. Close the door and healing comes right in. Amen. But Jesus then in John chapter 10, verse 10, the second part of the verse says, I came that they may I, flipped, I slipped in the Amplified on this because the Amplified Bible helps me. He said, I came that they may have and enjoy life. 
You do not enjoy life if you see your son in the hospital crippled and they say he's got leukemia. There's no enjoyment in that. You have to have joy by faith in that. And so we had joy by faith because we believe the word of God. But we knew the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God wasn't trying to teach me something. I'm a Christian. I read my Bible. I go to church. God teaches me every time I go to church. My son right now is doing an awesome job of what he's teaching on these end time things. But I really love the way he presented that the last two Sundays because I don't do a lot of end times teaching, but he's the pastor now, and he's hitting this and doing an excellent job. And so God doesn't have to have some calamity come into my life to teach me about the rapture. He's got, I've got the Bible to study, got the Holy Spirit, and teachers like my son teaching me. And so you've got to get this to your thinking. Anytime that goofy religious thing hits your head because some goofy religious Christian or preacher told you that God does bad things to teach you, say, well, that's contrary to the Word of God. The Word of God says he gave me teachers in the church to teach me. He gave me preachers to teach me. He gave me the Word of God to teach me. He gave me the Holy Spirit to teach me. It doesn't say he gave me cancer to teach me. Is this helping anybody? What I'm doing, I've given you, go ahead. I've given you some ammunition to fight with to get that goofy stuff out of your head you may have been taught. You got to get that out. You have to be deprogrammed. You know, it's like your phone. Sometimes you have to scrub it and get it rebooted with fresh information from the right sources. And then, of course, the times we're living in, the more we're living about who's controlling those things, you have to be careful about what you read on there now because we've got invaders out there putting stuff in that they want us to believe. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. And so I want you to go back to John chapter 8, and I'll, I'll wrap this up, then we'll be taking communion. It's really important that you see this now, what I'm going to read. Uh i probably say about every passage I ever teach, this is one of my favorite passages, but this is one of my favorite passages. Matter of fact, matter of fact, concerning my own life and healing, I probably read Matthew chapter 8 more than any other passage about divine healing for myself because of the way it is. Okay, in, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 6, well, verse 5 says there's a Roman soldier a Copernicus centurion. That means it's an officer and has a hundred soldiers under his command. He came to Jesus, verse 6, saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy. That means he was paralyzed, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. I will come and heal him. And so I want you to notice immediately, I don't want to, I don't want to jump past this too fast. This guy came, now listen, he came to Jesus, he never asked him for anything. He said, Jesus, my servant is at home and he's paralyzed. And before he could say anything else, Jesus said, I will. You see the I will? I circled that in my Bible. That's the same thing he told the leper. He said, I will come and heal him. Healing is the will of God. The first thing Jesus said when he heard about sick was, I will, I will come and heal him. If you were to get sick, one of your loved ones get sick, the first thing that Jesus would say to you, if you're listening to this, I'll heal him. I'll heal you. That's the first thing he says. This has got to get stronger in your heart to change your head to where your heart has got to talk to your mind 
more than your mind talks to you from what it sees. Yeah, I think I, th- I think about Danielle, think about nurses. When I first got saved, a nurse and her husband mentored me as a baby Christian to help me, and she ended up nursing for about 40 years at a hospital in Indianapolis. But I remember what she always told me. She said, the hardest thing for me as a nurse is this. And we had, we had a healing mess together. We went around to hospitals, nursing homes, and we prayed for a lot of people because she did this every day at the hospital all day long. She dealt with symptoms, diagnosis, blood readings, and all the stuff she saw all day long. She said, when we go to pray for people, says, I have to make that nurse head shut off and let my heart take over. Because immediately, immediately, when I see symptoms, and everyone tell me their doctor said, my head says this, 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 and this. My head says this, 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 and this. But I'm not here as a nurse. I'm here as a believer. And when, and when, and when her nurse's head told her, well, this will be the next phase. This will be the next phase. She said she has to tell herself, I'm a believer and I've got hands. Jesus said, believers lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. She said, that's the hardest battle I have is shutting my head off. And for we as Christians, another bit of information. And I've always got to make sure because the times we live in that people don't misunderstand what I'm saying. There's, a, there's too many people out there that don't believe in doctors and hospitals and medicine. And a lot of people died because of that. Amen. And so, obviously, I believe in doctors and hospitals and medicine because I went there and they helped me stay alive while my faith was working. My son went there. And so we're never, ever, ever said disregard doctors and things like that. But when Pastor Dave was in the hospital, people worked with us. We were, we were at the hospital in Indianapolis, Children's Hospital, all these things going on. One time this PhDDD religion and DDT and DLT and all the T's and D's and P's and everything come in with this great big old fat book about leukemia. And the guy said, you need to read this. <clears throat> it looked like a really expensive book back then. I thought, man, they probably cost $50. That would have been a lot of money back then. And so he gave that to me. It was all wrapped in plastic. And we took it home. And it was really a very serious time. I looked at that book. I looked at my Bible. I thought, why do I want to study the problem? I need to study the answer. So I didn't want to know. I didn't want to know what the devil could lose, use leukemia to do. I want to know what Jesus would do. So I took the book. And I said, Lord, I'm not going to tell that guy I threw his book away. Dropped it in the waste as a great big plunk. And got to the trash can. Because I said, listen to this. Now, you guys listen to me. If you've got a problem, say it's a math problem. And you've worked at it, worked at it, worked at it. You finally got the answer. And you worked it out. You say, man, this, this is the answer. Everything lines up. That's what this equals. This is the answer. Why would you keep coming back every day and go over that problem again? You've already got the answer. Focus on the answer. And so when things go on, you need to focus on the answer, what the Word of God has to say. And I'll say this again, faith doesn't deny things, faith changes things. Denial is, if the doctor said, you've got this, that's a fact. It's a physical fact. You've got this. But faith says, that's an invader that can't stay. My body's a temple of the Holy Ghost, not the household for sickness and disease. 
My body's a holy temple of God. He lives in here. And so that may be a fact, but the truth is, lay hands on sick, they shall recover, and the truth will change the facts. See what I'm saying? So I want to make sure you get this. We're not saying you deny diagnosis. We're saying you deny it's right to stay there. It's got to go, but it'll only go by faith in the word of God in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So Jesus said, I will come and heal him. And then the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldst come under my worth. Now right here, right here is what I want you to keep in your heart. Speak the word only, and my servant might know, I hope know, my servant shall be healed. Speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Speak the word only. The centurion, no doubt, had heard Jesus preach, teach, and he'd seen the results of Jesus' healing. That's why he said, you don't have to come to my house. He said, just speak it. And then here he tells why. He said, I'm a man under authority, and I think about the military people. They're under authority. He said, I, he said, I, I, I tell my soldiers, go, they go, tell them to come, and they come. And says, I say, do this and do that, and they have to obey me. And so what I see in that is this. This man said, I've seen you cast demons out of these totally messed up people, and they obeyed you. He said, I've seen you speak to people that had died, and they obey you, and they come back to life. Don't lose your focus and be distracted. Anybody ever see the Wizard of Oz? Don't watch over here. Watch the man behind the curtain. Because we're, we're, we're coming up to the closing right now, and you've got to get this. This man, as a soldier, have said, I understand how authority works in this natural world. Said, these people do what uh, we tell them to do. He said, I'm under authority. I do what my commanders tell me to do. My people do what I tell them to do. So he said, Jesus, I've seen that disease, sickness, they obey you. So he said, you speak the word. Because there's authority in your word. Say, so when you speak the word, my paralyzed servant's going to be healed. As you see the end of the story here, the man was healed instantly. He got up because the word being spoken. And the word, Jesus never did speak any word to see his passage. The servant said, I see the authority you've got. You said, I will come and heal him. And that's the end of what Jesus said about it. Because those words were out there. And the, and the centurion said, that's how it works, that authority you've got. And so we as believers in teaching about healing have to get this. Teaching and preaching puts that faith in you and gets it watered. And then the last verse we're looking at that we're going to take communion is this. Verse 10, the end of the verse, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so, what's it say? Great faith. Great faith, though not in Israel. And so great faith is knowing the authority that's in the name of Jesus. Great faith is knowing there's power in the spoken word. Jesus said it. And so if you want to take a closer look at Jesus' ministry, he went about teaching, preaching, and healing. And this soldier got it, and you can have it too. Just have that faith out there. There's his authority in the name of Jesus. Demons have to obey it. Sickness has to obey it. Cancer has to obey it. COVID has to obey it. 
It's the name of Jesus where the power is. Amen. Amen. Did you get something out of this? Amen. All right. Now, before we come up to receive the elements, I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, communion night. And this is going to help you in receiving, because that's what we're talking about, receiving healing from Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And I, I want you to look, I'm just going to look at from verse 28 on to verse 31. And again, preaching means to proclaim, teach means to explain. And how many of you actually know that one of the greatest ways to receive healing is communion time? But let a man examine himself, and then, or so, let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Examine himself. <clears throat> For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth drinketh damnation, or judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Now look at this. For this cause, many, not a few, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep or die prematurely. And look at the verse for that again. It says that you need to judge yourself. But sin is said that not discerning the Lord's body, for this cause many are weak and sickly among you. Many. Many. He said because people don't discern the Lord's body. Now get this. And this is a lot of years of walking with Jesus, talking about myself, and teaching these things to people. That word discern right there means to see. To see, to understand. I remember when Pastor Dave was little, this, working on Pastor Dave night. Uh, uh, his kids aren't listening right. Okay, Pastor Dave, we had a lot of trouble teaching him math when he was little. And I remember one night, I remember one night I was teaching him something. And man, he was wearing me out. We finally got some tutoring and he got it all together. So don't worry, he's very competent now to run the church. But anyway, I remember one night, I was going over and over and over and over this thing in arithmetic. Well, it's not, anyway, that's math. In arithmetic, it's math. <laughs> the old words try to come back. I know we live in new times. Anyway, we threw this over and over. And to me, because I was a lot older than him, it was simple to me. But finally I said, I said, David, can't you see that? Well, he could see it with his eyes. He wasn't comprehending that. He wasn't understanding that. Well, that's what discern means. It says not discerning the Lord's body. Now listen to this. There are two bodies of Jesus. Number one, his spiritual body. We're called the body of Christ. It says we're one body. All around the world, no matter what they call themselves, if they're born again Christians, they, all kinds, they got all kinds of orthodox and free this and free that and whatever, first this and first that. A Christian's a Christian. And we are the spiritual body. He said, you've got to discern the Lord's body. And then do you remember when Jesus said, you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me? Remember when he came to Saul of Tarsus and said, why are you persecuting me? We've got to recognize some of the most dangerous persons, 
people of the world for you to mess with as a Christian. It's not because you can't do them damage, but Jesus is taking it personally. He said, can't you discern the Lord's body? And so there's a spiritual body, which is us. You've got to recognize that whether they do you wrong or not, your job is to love them like Jesus loves you. You've got to see that. And then number two, this is a part of what I highlight on for communion. Do you remember that you started this, started this passage right here? It says, this is my body, which is broken. My body's broken for you. Well, we know there's no bones broken, right? But his flesh was broken. It was broken open when they whipped him with the whip, gave him 39 lashes. And then 1 Peter 2.24 says, by Jesus' stripes, the wounds on his back, by those wounds, you were healed. And to me, out of all my years of teaching divine healing, I think I can say this with total, total clear conscience, the major reason that I've seen, because it says this cause many are weak and sickly among you. He said, many are sick among you. He didn't say in the world. He said, among you. You guys are among us. Christians are among us. We're the Lord's spiritual body. He said, because they don't discern the Lord's body. So many Christians are so ignorant because they haven't been taught God's word that by his stripes you were already healed. They don't see that. He said, for this cause, many are sick among you because they don't see that. That I paid the price for their sin. I paid the price for their healing. Now, once you really realize that the Bible means what it says, he took your sins on the cross. He took your punishment, but also he took your sickness, your disease, and those things. And so I want to say this, that prepare to take communion. He said, examine yourself and judge yourself. And then when you do, just thank him that Jesus, you took my sins. And if you right now have a serious diagnosis or something else going on, your body may not be a serious thing. And see, there's some things that are not killers, but they're chronic. That means you're putting up with it because you're putting up with it. You know, there's nothing else. I just got to put up with it. No, you don't. You need to see, you need to discern that by his stripes you were healed. is a just a nice verse. It's your life. And so come on up and get the elements. And then I will show you how to pray and how to examine yourself and then to receive healing tonight.
Okay, now I'm just going to give you a short uh, little teaching here. He says in verse 31, during this time, if we judge ourselves, God won't have to judge us. And that's talking about in life. You know that God judges sin today. It gets to a point in time that if you don't make things right, right, God has to judge you. And as, as we go to have our individual prayer a little bit, just where you just pray yourself, you know, just spend a minute or two with the Lord in your prayer closet right here. There's two kinds of sins. There's sin of commission, sin of omission. And just like James, a man back in Indiana, he, he committed sin of omission. He wasn't doing what God told him to do. And I'm not, I'm not at all preaching on tithing. I don't know who tithes and who doesn't in the church. And so I'm not uh, trying to talk somebody into doing something that they don't want to do. That's not, not real to them. But James was being dealt with by God to tithe. His wife wanted to be a tither. And James fought her. And so he wasn't doing what he knew in his heart he's supposed to do. He omitted obeying God. And so there may be things in your life that God's dealing with you about. He wants you to do for him. He wants you to do for somebody else. And so I learned a long time ago that when I know in my heart of hearts, God wants me to do something, whether it's to bless somebody with money or to go talk to somebody that's wronged me or I've wronged and just eat humble pie, just, man... I gotta do what I can on my part to make this relationship right, whatever it is. If God deals with your heart, it's one thing if you know something, but when God's talking to your heart and you're grieving the Holy Ghost, comes a point in time where God will have to judge you for that. And then, sin of commission. Man, if you know there's wrong, uh, moral things that you're doing that are the wrong things to do, morally they're wrong, and you know the Bible teaches the Ten Commandments and things, and you're violating the Word of God that you know, and you're doing it, that's sin of commission, you're doing things you're not supposed to do, then God says, judge yourself. And what he said here, if you don't, I will. And so I think I think about my life where that always means to me. Anybody ever watch Leave It to Beaver, the older generation? Do you remember that dad Ward Cleaver would call Beaver or Wally into his study? Say, boys, now what was wrong about that? And they fessed up and they said, Dad, I did this and it was wrong. And then he said, good, I'm glad you did that. So I'm not going to have to punish you because you took care of it. So that's a done deal. You learned your lesson. So that's what, that's what the Father's saying to us. Say, if you'll judge yourself about this, he says, I won't have to. And so I chose a long time ago, I want to judge myself. And then I'll stand at the judgment seat of Christ. We're talking about everyday living. So just bow your heads and just search your hearts. Talk to Jesus. And I'd like to say this. A lot of us talk with him all day long. We've already judged ourselves. So don't dig something up if it's not there. Just praise him and thank him that you're right with him. But if there is, deal with it.
now as we prepare to take communion, I see a lot of very serious people out here. I, I tell you, really pray to talk with Jesus that you're really serious about this. And uh, I hope I didn't overwhelm you. Not what I taught. I tried to keep it simple. But I, I quoted a lot of verses. That just happens. And I tried not to quote a lot of verses a lot of times. I don't want to overwhelm people. But at the same time, you heard me frequently refer to First Peter 2.24 tonight. Where Jesus said, by Jesus' stripes, you were healed. And let a lot of other verses go along with that. But I want to say this again as we do this next part of our communion. Uh, you don't get healed because you're good enough. You didn't get saved because you were good enough. Jesus took our sins and became sin for us because he was good enough. Jesus, the Bible tells us, got beat on the back with that Roman whip, that scourge, and took 39 stripes. And the Bible tells us, 1 Peter 2, 24, and various other passages, that that was taking the sins, the sickness. That was taking COVID. That was taking cancer. That was taking AIDS. That was taking any kind of disease you can think of. Those 39 stripes, he took those. And it's not us trying to figure out that because how can we figure out how could he take sins for all mankind he'll figure it out we know because the bible says it how could he take all the sickness and disease there would ever be you can't figure it out the bible says it so you receive that by faith and then at communion time here's what jesus says and if you're sick right now or have been fighting sickness or if you recognize from some of the things i said tonight that i've been putting up with this and this has been just a discomfort for all these years. I put up with this. And I don't like it. I'm ready to get rid of this. Then look at this right here. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, Paul said, I've received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. I can say that too. I received this from the Lord through the word of God by the Holy Spirit. I delivered it to you. That the Lord Jesus, the same night which was betrayed, took bread. Now listen to this. And when given thanks, he break and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This is my body, which was wounded for you. This is my body that was beaten for you, for your sickness and disease. This is my body. He said, I did this for you. He said, said do this remembrance for me. So I want you to do this. As we prepare to take this bread, I want you to think for the perspective However, why God does it these kind of ways, my head doesn't figure it out. But he said, he said he wants us to remember his body took stripes for us. You don't have to have disease in your body. Jesus took it in his through those wounds. And don't let your head try to figure that out. I gave up on figuring things out a long time ago. The Bible says that I believe it, so praise God I'm cancer free. My heart's totally healthy. I do whatever I want to do. My brain got hit a major blow back in June. Glory to God. I'm walking, I'm talking, I'm praising the Lord. Amen. I got my life because I know, I saw his body was broken for me. By his stripes, I was healed. So as we take this, I want to make a confession this time that I want you guys to all say, if you, if you need healing in your body, then receive that as we say, Jesus, I want to thank you that your body was beaten 
for me. You took those wounds on your back for me. I don't have to have now just whisper out to the Lord what it is that you're believing God for healing for. Call that by name. Some kind of sickness, disease, chronic illness. Call it by name. Say, Jesus, I don't have to have this because you already took it. So I'm going to do this because I remember that by your stripes, I was healed. So by your stripes, I am healed. I receive it now. And then verse 25, along the same vein, because some of, some of you need to hear these things. After the same manner also, he took the cup with sup saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Now listen, I want to say something. Because we explained that last part about the wounds, let me explain this. Some of you in here, and I know this by the Spirit, have a guilty conscience. You have a conscience that's bothering you and hindering your faith because of things you've done in the past. Second Corinthians 5.17, if any man be a Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, all things become new because of the blood of Jesus. Jesus said, do this, remember, said, you remember that. And so say this to me, say, Jesus, I thank you for taking my sins. Thank you for cleansing me and making me new. I know that I wasn't good enough to save myself, but you were. I want to thank you. I'm not an old sinner anymore. I was a sinner, but I've been made new, and I've saved by grace. So Jesus, I receive this now as your blood that cleansed me, cleansed my mind, cleansed my conscience, I will never let the devil bring up my past again because my past has been washed away by your blood. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Somebody that's healed, somebody that's saved, shout. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. I gave you my best what I have. Now I'll let Pastor Dave wrap it up. Come on. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, we're going to bring our prayer team up. And uh, if you need prayer, come on up uh, quickly. And we want to lay hands on you and, and believe for uh, God to work in your life tonight in your situation. Uh, so we'll probably start closing things down here. So Pastor Josh, lead us for a few minutes here. If you need prayer for anything at all, come right up and we will pray with you this evening. Amen. Because you make mountains move. You make giants fall You use songs of praise To shake prison walls I will speak to my fear I will preach to my doubt That you were faithful then You'll be faithful now You make mountains 
Speak to my fear. I will preach to my. 
right? Did everybody receive from the Word of God tonight? Amen. All right, we're going to close things out this evening. Remember, we have service on Wednesday at 7. We got the Harvest Fest Workers Appreciation Party on Friday night at 6. So come on out. Let's have a good time together then. Then lots of awesome things coming up in the weeks ahead. It, it is the most wonderful time of the year. And I encourage you, you can go back and watch either service online again and get this word all over again. And uh, just stay planted and connected. Amen. Let's go ahead and we're going to close out in prayer tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen and the word of God. And Lord, we know your word is true. And Lord, just like that, that Roman centurion said in Matthew 8, he said, speak the word only. And so, Lord, we're going to choose to speak your word over our healing, over our health. And we know that in the name of Jesus, you are doing great things in our lives. Use us this week again to spread the love of Jesus everywhere because we know you're coming soon. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Can everybody say amen? All right. Let's speak some words of faith over Barstow, and then you can be dismissed. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen.